Thank you for joining us at the Cross Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Allen begins a new series today. It's about one temptation we all have in common, and that's to worry. What most people don't know is that at the core of the Christian faith is worry-free living. In fact, it's the test of true faith. If you're worrying, you're missing one of the greatest benefits of being a follower of Christ. God wants you to be happy, and the only way this will happen is by eliminating the worries in your life. We hope this new series will help you get your happiness back by boosting your faith and reminding you of what you're forgetting. Today, Alan reminds us of one of the cardinal teachings of Christ. He actually commands us not to worry. That's right, commands. It's not an option, but it's easier said than done. Jesus reminds us that if we're pursuing Christ as our first and greatest pursuit, He will meet our every need, and then we'll have nothing to worry about. Why not start the new year outright? Put God first and let Him banish your worries. Jesus reminds us, don't worry, be happy. This uh, is the season for New Year's resolutions. How many made some New Year's resolutions? You're afraid to put your hand up in case I ask you about it later, I know. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, for so many of us, uh, the new year is actually uh, often, often the starting point for changes in our life. Uh, the Statistic Brain Research Institute says that 62% of people make resolutions of some kind. Here's what some of them are. Uh, the top 10 are as follows. Lose weight. Anybody say amen? That sounded very depressing. <laughs> Lose weight. Get organized. Yeah, spend less, save more. Yeah, that's why we have a, a woman's shopping trip in the States. <laughs> uh, no, number four, enjoy life to the fullest. That's a pretty good one, actually. I like that. Uh, number five, stay fit and healthy. Uh, quit smoking. Number eight, help others in their dreams. Number nine, fall in love. check with my kids. Uh, number 10, uh, spend more time with family. Well, these are all great. Now, here's the interesting thing. People, they discover, people who are successful in achieving, achieving their resolutions are only at maybe 8%. Only 8% of people who actually set these resolutions actually achieve them. But here's what's even more shocking. People in their 20s uh, who achieve their New Year's resolutions uh, at a, are at a full whopping 39%. Isn't that amazing? 39% of people in their 20s will achieve their New Year's resolution. But people who are in their 50s or older, um, only 14% of them achieve theirs. Now, isn't that crazy? That's really crazy because when you're in your 50s, hopefully you're more disciplined than, than you are in your 20s. You've got more life experience. You've got, you probably have more education. Uh, really, uh, my friend in England always says that when you're in your 50s, you're at the height of your powers. And, um, but how is it that, that if you're in your 50s, only 14% will achieve their New Year's resolution, but if you're in your 20s, 39% will? Well, what happens? I think I can answer this question, and I think it's a pretty simple solution. Uh, people uh, in their 50s, People who are, who are older, once you have children, you you've discover that you've got more and more worries and anxiety in your life. Now, there's 
when I was praying for some of the people here this morning, there's a number who said, pray for me because I'm experiencing anxiety in my life. I've got some worries in my life. Well, the fact is, folks, is that for so many of us, as we get older, we've got more and more responsibilities, and we've got children, we've got bills to pay, we've got, uh, there's, there's so many things that we're responsible for. We may be thinking about our, our retirement fund, we're thinking about how we're going to pay for our kids' education, uh, how am I going to make ends meet, but Christmas is coming, or Christmas is past, how am I going to pay the bills in January? You know what I'm talking about. The older you get, the more and more things you seem to have to worry about. Clinical psychologist Dr. Alice Boyce says, uh, achieving your goal is tough enough, but if you suffer from worrying, it becomes even more difficult. And she says people who worry tend to be high in behavioral inhibition. They're highly sensitive to negative responses or something positive being taken away. So here's what you and I need to understand as Christians. God wants us to experience a worry-free life. Now, you say, Pastor Allen, that seems absolutely impossible to me. Well, I'm gonna tell you, to be absolutely 100% worry or anxiety-free, of course, is, is not possible as long as we live on this planet Earth. But I can tell you this, that God gives very clear instructions through Jesus Christ as to how to live and how to overcome the anxiety and the worry that, that can plague so many of us. And we'll be talking more about that in the days to come. So we begin the new year by looking to God for direction about how I can stop worrying and start being happy. Now, would anybody say amen to that? How can I stop worrying? How can I be worry-free and be happy? Well, let me just talk for a moment about this temptation to worry that we all have. If you've uh, ever been to Israel, you'll know that on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, now, Deb, I can talk about this, you know exactly what I'm talking about here because you were there. If you look, go to the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, there's a place called the Mount of Beatitudes. Remember that? There's a church built there. For 1,600 years, they have been commemorating that spot as the place where Jesus gave his first sermon, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason it's called the Mount of Beatitudes is because the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. Now, in case you're wondering today, what are the Beatitudes? Well, it's those verses that begin with, blessed are the whatever, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, so actually, I wanna read these to you for a moment, okay? Um, and before I do, let me say this. Jesus begins his ministry by answering a question that every single human being has. It's a question all of us have. And the question is this, how can I be happy? Because that's really what everybody wants to know. At the end of the day, people wanna know how can I get through this life and have a measure of happiness? So Jesus begins his sermon by telling us how to be happy. Now, I wanna read to you the Beatitudes out of my, the Bible that my mom used. It's the Bible that my mom used when I was a child and she actually asked me to, to get a copy of it from her on Amazon. It just came in, and I thought that she would be here, but I don't see her. But I'm gonna read to you uh, the Beatitudes in this version. It's called the Good News Translation. And here's how it goes. Ready? Here it goes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. The kingdom of God belongs to them. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. Happy are those who are humble, 
they will receive what God has promised. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. Happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. Happy are those who work for peace. God will call them his children. And happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Now, for most of you, you maybe have heard it in other words, uh, the word, using the word blessed, and that's where we get the word beatitude. The word blessed in, in the Greek, I mean, if you go to the Greek, you'll see it says happy. I don't know why we change it to blessed, but the actual word is happy. So it's absolutely 100% correct to say happy are those who do these things. Now, the question is this. How do we do this? Or what are we supposed to do? Or what does it look like to do these things that Jesus talks about in these first few, few verses? What does it mean in practical terms to live this out? Well, that's a good question because what you're gonna discover in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven is that these chapters are what we call the constitution of the kingdom of God. And if you are a Christian today, then you are part of the kingdom of God. The question is this, is how do you and I live as people or subjects in the kingdom of God? What's the constitution? What's the direction? Well, that's what, that's what uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are really all about. Now, when you get halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, you get to the section that talks about money, talks about possessions, and talks about not worrying. Now, the Lord knows this, that for so many of us, our money and our possessions uh, are not actually our possessions. Our possessions actually own us. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, when we've got all these possessions, all these antiques, all these beautiful things, these beautiful knickknacks that we got for Christmas, now we have to find a place to put them. Now I've got to go buy a shelf to put them on. I've got to find a place in my house. I've got to buy a bigger house to put all my, all my stuff in, right? And I've got to buy boxes to put all my stuff in so that I can properly label them so that if I ever need to find my junk, I know where my junk is. I gotta go, I gotta put it in the basement. I gotta place it under the stairs. I gotta buy a cabinet, I, and so on and so forth. Now, suddenly, I don't own my possessions. My possessions own me. And Jesus addresses this. He says, Why are you laying up for yourself treasures in, on earth where moths and rust and thieves can get at them? Why not lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where there are no moths? How many know there's no moths in heaven? And <laughs> that'd be very shocking. I and, and there's no rust. And I can assure you, there are definitely no thieves. That's good news, right? Jesus says, live for yourself treasure in heaven. Now he goes on to say this. And can I ask you all to do some homework? Because you really need to know this for the next four weeks. I'd like you to read Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. It's, it's not a difficult read. It's very very simple read, but it's extremely practical. Someone once said that, that the Sermon on the Mount is 60% application. In other words, there's very clear direction as to how it is that you and I need to live uh, as a Christian. 
Now, in my very first position as a pastor, I graduated from Bible college in 1983, and Gloria's dad hired me, and, uh, and I was hired to marry his daughter. <laughs> I was actually hired to be the youth pastor, and there was five of us, and the church uh, didn't have a lot of money, but they had enough to pay me uh, what worked out to about $900 a month at that time. So with my $900, I tithed, I gave my 10% to the work of God, I paid for my apartment, and I paid for my car. And after I'd done doing those things, I think I had a few bucks left over uh, for which to put gas in my car and to buy food. Now, it, it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out that this was not enough to live. And I remember going before the Lord and saying, God, um, you are the one who provides for me. You're the one who meets my needs. I don't wanna go to the board or go to the pastor and demand more money. What I'd like to do, God, is I'd like to trust you. And so I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know my need. And so Father in heaven, I pray, uh, give me wisdom, give me direction. And God actually brought to my memory the passage of scripture that I've read over many, many times, but when I was younger, it didn't, didn't mean as much as it did as I'm getting older. Now, this is what I'm talking about. When you're younger, you got no cares. Your parents pay for your house, your, your room, Sarah. Uh, your, <laughs> all the utilities are all paid for. You don't have to worry about that. There's a vehicle there to get you to school and back and to school and, and back and to school and back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying here. You don't have, you have no, no cares in the world. And there's always food in the fridge. Uh, well, that is if Jesse's not home. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. When you're young, man, you got no worries. But as you start getting older and you're, you're out on your own, then, uh, Sarah, life hits you. So everybody else, if you don't mind, I'm going to have a conversation with my daughter here. <laughs> Listen to this, Matthew chapter 6, 26 to 30. This is what God's speaking to me now. I'm a young pastor, not making enough to live on. And I said, God, I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to trust you with what I need. And so here's what, here's what Jesus said to me. And I, I could say this. Jesus said this to Alan Duncan. This is God speaking to me. By the way, every time you read your Bible, you're giving God an opportunity to speak to you. So this is why you have to read your Bible all the time, to give God an opportunity to teach you and to speak to you and tell you what to do or what not to do. And so here's what Jesus said to me. He said, Alan, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I never thought of that. I'm more valuable to God than the birds of the air. Can all the worries, all your worries, add a single moment to your life? Wow. How many of you thought that if you wor the more you worry, the better it's gonna get? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but we do that, right? It doesn't make any sense, but we worry, and we think, now, if I worry enough about this, that maybe things will get better. But Jesus is saying, eh, wrong answer, it doesn't work. And then verse 28, Jesus says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wild flowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? So I'm gonna ask you that question today. 
Why do you have so little faith? Why are you worrying when God has made a promise to you to take care of his children, to provide for you, to meet your needs? Jesus is saying not just to Alan Duncalf as a 20-something-year-old, He's saying it to all of us today. Why are you worrying about your food and what you're gonna wear? And why are you worrying about your retirement? Why are you worrying about these things? Doesn't God care for you more than he cares for the birds of the air? And God does care for the birds of the air. How much more does he care for you? I want the spirit of God to speak to your heart now. So Jesus says this, and then he, and then he, he, uh, he asks this, this question. or he, he makes a statement, and let's look at this, Matthew 6, 31, 32. Jesus says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? And then he makes a shocking statement. These things, what am I gonna eat, what am I gonna drink, what am I gonna wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you're a believer today, then you believe, or you're supposed to believe, that God's gonna take care of these things. He's gonna help you. He's gonna provide a job for you. He's gonna take care of your needs. He's gonna help you. He's gonna give you wisdom. Someone asked for wisdom this morning as I prayed for them. God's gonna give you wisdom to know how to spend your money, to know how to use your resources. God's gonna show you how to make ends meet. And God will speak to people and send someone along at just the right moment. I remember when Gloria and I just started at this church, every Christmas, a turkey would show up on our front porch. Not a live one. <laughs> it was a nice frozen turkey. And it, was, it, was, it happened for a few years in a row. Uh, and until finally one day, um, we caught Don's uncle. Remember? Remember your uncle, Joe Sharp, he always brought, he never came to church. In fact, he always said that uh, we, we were getting this building. He says, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. He says, it won't be long before this place, well, you'll have to turn it over to a funeral company. They'll be using it for a funeral home because you'll never be able to pay for it. It's ridiculous. That was your uncle Joe, right, Don? Really so funny. And then the funny thing is that the very first funeral we had in here was for your uncle. So <laughs> it's interesting how that worked. But Uncle Joe always felt it important to leave a turkey for the pastor, even though he never went to church. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And you know, want to know something? That's how God has provided for us over the years in just such miraculous ways and ways we couldn't expect it. But so here's what you and I need to understand. One of the cardinal teachings of Jesus Christ is this command to us not to worry. Now, this is not a suggestion. God, Jesus doesn't come along and say, I've got a few suggestions for you. You could take it or leave it. He didn't say that. You could do this if you want to or not. He didn't say that. He actually gives a command. Don't worry about these things. Because that's what the unbeliever does. That's what the person who's not a follower of Christ does. They're the ones that are constantly worrying and fearful. Now, Jesus is not saying that to condemn or judge them or make fun of them or put them down. But he's trying to point out to us what it means to be a follower of Christ, is that you can trust him. Would you say this with me this morning? I can trust Jesus. Say it with me. I can trust Jesus. Now, say this, because it's easy to say that, isn't it? Because you all know that here. You know that that's the right answer, right? 
Everybody knows that the right answer always is Jesus. <laughs> but what you need to understand is Jesus is the answer all the time. So we're gonna say it together. I can trust Jesus all the time, ready? I can trust Jesus all the time for everything, for everything. Now this, my friends, is the gospel. This, this comes right out of the gospel of Matthew. What does gospel mean? It means good news. This is the good news. God will take care of you. Tell the person beside you, God will take care of you. Go ahead, tell them that. Yeah, what'd they say? Did they? <laughs> yeah, God will take care of you. That is the gospel. That's the good news. That is what our faith is all about. So Jesus is saying, this is not an option. What it, in essence, what Jesus is saying is, don't worry, be happy. So you should all be smiling at me right now. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> Don't worry, be happy. Because if God is on your side, and if God has made a promise to you, then I tell you, his reputation is staked on that promise. He cannot break his promise, Thomas. He cannot break his promise, Thomas. He will fulfill his promise to you. And the thing that you're praying for this morning, that we prayed for together, God's gonna keep his promise. This is the kind of God we serve, folks. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to provide for you. He wants you to learn to trust him. He doesn't want you to worry. Now, how do we live, live this worry-free life? How do, we, how do we get this? Is it possible, in fact, to live a life without worry? The short answer is yes. That's the short answer. Here's the long answer, and it's found in Matthew 6, 33, at the very end of the chapter. And here's what Jesus says. Say it with me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Did you see that last phrase? And he will. There's no footnote in my Bible that says mostly everything you need or some of what you need or a portion of what you need. Jesus promises to meet our every need. Now, I don't know what your issues are here this morning. I don't know what problems you've come here this morning with. I don't know what anxiety has flooded your heart. I don't know what you're worrying about, but I can tell you this, God knows all about it. Otherwise, he's not God. And I can tell you this this morning, is that God wants to meet your need. God wants to break into your world, break into your mind, and he wants to let his light flood your heart and give you brand new faith, brand new hope, brand new courage, with you and God, you can do anything. Now, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God. This is actually my, my life verse. This is a verse that, that I have, I, I claim this is my verse. I don't know if you have a life verse. If you haven't got a life verse yet, I would suggest that you find one or you can use the one I'm using, Matthew 6, This is the verse that I live my life by. Every decision I make, uh, every day, this is the first and most important thing in my day. I seek first the kingdom of God above all else. I seek to honor him, to please him, to do his will. 
I know some people don't always agree with me, don't always like what I, what I say, what I do, whatever, and I'm not saying I'm always right, but I can tell you this, that at the very core of my being, this is what I want to do. And I discovered, my friends, that as I have followed the instruction of Jesus Christ to seek God, the kingdom of God, and by the way, what do we mean by the kingdom of God? We're talking about the rule of Christ, right? How many know that Jesus is also called King Jesus? So we're, what we're doing is we are submitting to the king of kings. And we're saying, King Jesus, rule me, reign over me, and show me what to do. In fact, it's the most important thing in my life. Now, in the summer of 1982, I'd actually gone to Charleswood Temple, which is now Grace Community Church. Gloria's dad invited me to be an intern there. And I can tell you that uh, I hadn't made up my mind and I was on the fence about that. I had to pay the, my, my tuition. And quite frankly, $3.25 an hour was nowhere near what I needed to pay for my tuition in the fall. And um, through Marilyn Wedlake's connection, I was able to, uh, to apply for a job at Safeway, uh, who was not hiring at the time, but I felt, you know, this seems to be the right thing to do. And I went to Safeway of Canada and Canada Safeway, they gave me a position. Actually, they phoned me. You've heard me tell this story before. But just before they phoned, I'd been in prayer, seeking first the kingdom of God, asking God for guidance in my life. And God told me, as I was praying, not an audible voice, but an impression in my heart, Alan, you gotta make up your mind what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. Do you wanna work at Safeway, or do you wanna work for me? And I knew, I knew exactly what God was saying to me. And so it was right after that that the phone call from Safeway said, you've got the job and you can show up to the Safeway, which is on, I don't know if it's still there or not, it's on um, Ness, Ness by, by Sturgeon there. Is it still there? Anybody know? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, it's closed. Do you see? I would have been out of a job. <laughs> so there you go. I said yes to Gloria's dad at $3.25 an hour. And at that summer, I was living, um, Marilyn Wedley graciously let me have uh, a room at her place, and I paid a, a, a small amount of money. And by the end of the summer, folks, I had enough money to pay for half my tuition. I said half my tuition. My last Sunday at Charleswood Temple, and I got half the money I needed. I said, God, uh, here, I'm going back to school. And by the way, that was before you could get uh, student loans. At least I didn't know anything about them. And I just said, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I came here according to your will, which I believe was your will. And that morning, uh, Grandpa House and Sarah stood up and said to the congregation, hey, I, I got an idea this morning. Why, why don't we take up an offering for this young man going back, back, back to Bible school? Can we do that? And so they took up an offering, and uh, it was half of the half that I needed and, uh, and now I'm closer to the thing, and I say, God, well, what about the rest? <laughs> you get kind of bold with God, don't you? <laughs> what about the rest? And as I'm getting ready to go back to Bible school, Marilyn Wedlake gave me back all the money that I'd paid to stay at her house that summer, and I had enough to go back to Bible school. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Now this morning, I want you to know that God loves you and he cares about you and he knows your situation. You may be sitting here today thinking, 
God's got so many things to worry about. There's no way on earth he knows about my situation, Pastor. You know what? He's not your mother. Your mother got a million things to do and she hasn't got time. We've got God here. We're talking about God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think. So what you're gonna have to do, folks, and this is why I wanna begin the year with this, is you need to get your eyes off of your situation, off of your cares, off of your anxiety and your worries, and get them fixed on Jesus Christ, amen? God wants to meet your needs. He wants to provide for you. He wants to answer your prayer. Sharon, when Sharon was in line here, there's something that we've been praying together for for I don't know how many years, and God did a miracle this Christmas. Folks, this is what God wants to do. He wants to help you. He wants to meet your needs. He doesn't want you to worry. He doesn't want you to be living in this anxiety anymore. He wants to set you free. But what you're gonna have to do is get your eyes off of your situation, off of the people that are causing you anxiety, off of your problem, whatever it may be, and God knows about your problem. He knows all about your situation. And all he's asking you to do is get your eyes on him. And when you get your eyes on him, then folks, watch how things start falling into place. Because here's the tendency that we all have. We all figure that we know best. Right? And we all go to God and we say, God, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my list. Here's, my, here's the list of things that you need to do. Because God's sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do. I'm sure glad Alan came along to give me instruction. Isn't that the way we approach God? When it comes to God, I'm gonna start giving him instructions. And God, this is another thing I want you to do. I want you to do this and take care of that. And there's war in the Middle East. And God said, oh, really? I didn't know. I'm sure glad you told me. I want you to know something. God is sovereign. He's in charge or he's not God. And God knows all about your situation. He knows all about your problems. He knows all about your shortcomings. He knows all about your sin, your failings, your temptations. He knows about your financial problems, your marriage problems, your, family, your problems with your kids. Your kids aren't serving Jesus. He knows all about that, and he wants to meet that need. He wants to provide for you. He wants to care for you. He wants to show you that he's sovereign and he's in charge. But what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to learn what it means to start putting him first. I know what every one of you struggles with because I struggle with it too. And when you've got a problem, man, it's, you just got, God, I'll get to you as soon as I get my problem sorted out. I'll get into the word, I'll get into prayer as soon as I gotta get this stuff sorted out. When I've got all my problems sorted and I've got all my ducks in a row, then God, I'll come to, and we'll pray and we'll have a time together. And God says, no, 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 no. You come meet with me first and I'll put your ducks in a row. Hallelujah. I'll get it sorted out. I'll solve your problems. I'll take care of those issues. I'll help you. I'll answer your prayer. I'll do the miracles, but you leave that to me. Your job, your only job, is to seek God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength. Meet with him and allow him to fill your heart with joy. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. Father, as we begin this new year, Father, we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for, your, for the fact that you're in control. Otherwise, you're not God. And so today, we want to let you be you. And we pray, God, that you give us the grace and the strength to put you first. For some of us, Lord, we haven't prayed. We haven't read our Bible because we're so anxiety-riddled. We're so much worry 
and we've lost our joy, we've lost our happiness, and you're calling us back to you, O oh God, to seek you with all our heart. And God, that problem that we come to church with this morning, you know all about it. You knew about this months and years ago, and you, knew, you had a solution, and all you're asking us to do is to turn our eyes upon you and, and leave the solutions with you, because that's the gospel, that's the good news. So we pray that in Jesus' name, and everyone said it with me? Turn to the person beside you and say, don't worry. Yeah, tell them that. Tell them they need to. 